0: CVS throws down the gauntlet, and healthcare earnings roll on, because this is where the money is. Hi, fools. Welcome to the Wednesday Healthcare Edition of Where the Money Is. I'm David Williamson, and I'm joined by my fellow healthcare analyst in arms Michael Douglas. Michael, how are you doing? Fantastic. Are you surviving earnings season?
1: <laughs> well, more or less. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Our desk is is still completely cluttered with papers, just different earnings reports as we try to pour through it, give you the uh, the most up-to-date news and analysis on mm-hmm. these, these stocks. Uh, speaking about news, though, we should uh, touch on, I guess, the big headline that, that I saw. You know, Eli Lilly and Takeda uh, lost a lawsuit. They were hit with $9 billion in punitive damages over Actos, which is Takeda's drug. Takeda bore the brunt of that. Right. Uh, it turns out, on appeal, not really as bad for those two companies. It's been knocked from 9 billion down to 36.8 million, which is like
1: a 99% reduction. 99.6%? <laughs> it actually rounds up to 100. Um, actually, Takeda said it's not good enough and they are going to appeal. <laughs> really? Yeah, no, they said it's not good enough. We're, we're still going to appeal. And I'm just like, I mean, okay. I, 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 don't,
0: I don't even know what to say about that. It was about, what, 8,000 cases here in the, in the US? Something like that. Um, It'll it'll be interesting to follow the the bulk of that still I believe falls on Decada, but uh, uh, certainly not a uh, not the huge problem that it appeared to be a couple months ago. Exactly. And this is why we also urge people not to overreact over these preliminary verdicts and, and punitive damages because they usually take time mm-hmm. to to. End up getting settled, and there's usually a number of appeals.
1: Well, I even think about it, you know, also on the patent side, right? So, you know, you'll have something in IP, and it's like, well, the Markman hearing looks like it went well, then another hearing doesn't look like it went well, and and it's just like, guys, let's just let, let let's let's not read too far into the tea leaves. Let's see what the actual ultimate final thing looks like, yep. and then how likely a pill looks like after that. Um, so, good news for Takeda and Lilly.
0: Yep. Well, let's move on from that straight into the earnings. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with Aetna. Sure. Uh, Insure. It's the first insurer I think we've touched. Oh, you know, I love uh, talking insurer. No, it's your favorite. It's yeah. your favorite. Uh, and they had a great quarter. Uh, they boosted guidance. Mm-hmm. Uh, their government business exceeded expectations. And... Uh, You know, all in all,
1: I think it was pretty solid. What was your take? Yeah, well, so it's kind of funny because that has always been like, well, you know, Obamacare is going to really hurt us. It looks like actually they're they're doing just fine. Doing pretty good, yeah. Yeah, and and actually when you look at their uh, medical, I forget exactly what they call it. Everyone calls it something different. Uh, Essentially their Medicare, uh, medical cost, Ratio, mm-hmm. the medical benefit ratio, or what have you, which is the percentage of premiums, they're paying out in costs, they actually had good control there. And that's always a concern, because when you have a bunch of new folks coming in, you're maybe not sure how sick or how old they yep. are, you're not sure if you've priced well. It Turns out they actually priced pretty much just fine. Uh, 2014 Q3, their medical cost ratio was uh, 81% for commercial, 84% for government, 82.3% for healthcare. I mean, that's, that's, that's fine. Um, it looks like they did a pretty good job of controlling for it. Um, they mentioned that you know they had some they had some headwind from hepatitis C, uh, which we've been hearing from all the insurers throughout 2014. Yep. Uh, hepatitis C has been really one of the big stories of 20, uh, 2014. But all in all, things look pretty good. They uh, increased their membership by 470 thousand members uh, in the third quarter compared to the second quarter. So. You know, yeah, all in all, it's tremendous. Yeah, things like it looks like things are uh, things are pretty darn good where this concerned, especially since they raise guidance.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm interested to see you know how the Coventry acquisition continues. Mm-hmm. So far, so good. Yeah, I think uh, you know we we've, we've seen some some good accretion there.
1: Well, that's a good opportunity for them to just play in the government business. Exactly, I mean? and that's that's where a lot sure. of our growth is going to be in insurance. I mean, let's be honest, you know, Medicaid expansion graying of the American population, mm-hmm. government's kind of where you wanna be.
0: Well, because Medicaid expansion's only in about half the states, there's yep. still, you know, even though I think some people think Obamacare, uh, you know, the big surge from it might be over, you you forget that there's still a lot more that's gonna be rolled out because of this expansion.
1: Well, and not just that, but also, and, and you're 100% right, I mean, you know, we've seen Pennsylvania, we saw Michigan, we've seen a couple of other states that are, uh, you know, maybe not the bluest states um, in the world, basically saying, well, you know, actually this does make sense. Um, we'll see if more, after these elections are finished, whether more governors go ahead and bite the bullet and go for Medicaid expansion. Certainly, that's been a conversation here in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but also, you know, the CBO is projecting that there's going to be a lot more growth from the exchanges um, in the second open enrollment yep. um, and also in future open enrollments. So it's like, well, you know, there is actually still substantial potential bump here. Yep. We're not sure exactly how much yet.
0: It'll be interesting. A- Aetna plans to be a big player here. Yes. And WellPoint is the largest, but Aetna is right there with them. Yeah. So. Well, United I Health know. Group even and has
1: kind of come in and been like, okay, we're, we plan to we plan to fight in a lot so of states. So it's
0: going to be time. a lot more competitive and it's going to be fun yeah. to watch once open enrollment uh, starts again.
1: And once we get that data. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait.
0: It's going to be fun. All right. Well, let's move on to CVS. Mm-hmm. Um, as I teased, throwing down the gauntlet. This yeah. is actually a really interesting program they're unveiling. You know, Everyone was caught up in the headlines over Apple Pay. I think this is the real news story here. They're offering a narrow network tr- pilot program where there are going to be discounts for customers who have Caremark as their PBM mm-hmm. to go to pharmacies that don't sell cigarettes, like CVS.
1: Yeah. And, and, and first off, by the way, the, the headline, I've got to call it out. is Bruce Japson, who is uh, a contributor at Forbes. He's also a contributor here at The Motley Fool. So so Bruce, we're always glad to, to take your headlines. Thanks for thanks for writing for us. Um, yeah. So here, here's, I think, where the rub really starts coming in, where the rubber starts hitting the road with sort of this opportunity with the whole smoke-free thing. Because from the beginning, people were talking about, well, it's going to be $2 billion in, in um, in, in lost revenue from all these mm-hmm. tobacco products, you know also these people who were going to maybe buy a people magazine and uh, uh, I, I don't know a candy bar in addition yeah. to their cigarettes I mean now they're going to be going somewhere else um, and it looks like there is going to be a hit to comps in the back in the um, in the fourth quarter uh, in the back half of the year um I mean, CBS has been guiding for that the entire time. however, if this allows them to create that sort of stickier relationship suddenly with their PBM where people are only coming to CVS and maybe a few non-affiliated pharmacies that also happen to like Target, for instance, yeah, is one that doesn't sell cigarettes. Exactly, but if, if they're able to get like the lion's share of that, and then suddenly that really starts like sort of increasing the switching cost to go to Walgreens and Rite Aid, which are often you know right across the street.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, suddenly that starts looking like a really really smart long-term business decision for CVS. Yep.
0: I mean, you're giving consumers an economic incentive, mm-hmm. you know, cheaper payments. By going to your pharmacy, essentially, yeah. and you know, Caremark is what about 60 million lives? Uh, I think what six million of them are essentially Walgreens shoppers, four mm-hmm. million are Rite Aid shoppers, another uh, five million or so go to just various pharmacies. Mm-hmm. This is about probably a, an eight to ten billion dollar opportunity for CVS. This is not chump change. This initiative, yes, it's a pilot program. Yes, they're not unveiling it everywhere. I think it's gonna be pretty successful. Mm -hmm. And if it is, there's a lot more meaningful upside here than I think the market is uh, giving credit for.
1: Well yeah, and everyone's always talked about the halo effect and maybe this will help them win the PBM business and we've talked about that too. But this makes really good business sense in addition to that, so Mm -hmm. it's sort of less the, sort of squishier, well, it'll make us look better, maybe it'll help us win something that we wouldn't have won otherwise, and suddenly it's okay. And also, there's a really substantial business opportunity here. Yep. So I'm really excited to watch this. This is looking in- increasingly like a really smart move by CVS. Well, it's,
0: it's great because since they own Caremark, they know who these people are, right? Yes. And they know how to target them, and they know who's not going to CVS that's a Caremark customer. Exactly. So this is a chance to, to, to motivate them. Uh, and I think it's it just sort of further brands CVS as CVS Health, mm-hmm. you know, which is their new sort of healthcare company pitch. And it puts a lot of pressure on Rite Aid and Walgreen to maybe abandon cigarettes if they start seeing a lot of defections.
1: Yeah, uh, de- it, it's definitely possible. So I think we'll see more and more about that probably for the next year or two as they roll out the pilot, pilot program and kind of mm-hmm. look at the data and then expand. So definitely a big trend to watch for CVS.
0: Yep, well let's move to Novartis, a big <laughs> pharma. Um, had uh, Had a decent quarter, there's some productivity gains. Uh, helped uh, boost its bottom line. Michael, what are your thoughts here with Novartis?
1: Yeah, I mean, they they've definitely been trying to increase their cost discipline. It looks mm-hmm. like that's starting to uh, to flow through. You see their um, their uh, net income. I'm sorry, their operating income um, is uh, is growing. Um, you know, at the same time, um, I think I'm more. With healthcare companies in general, with pharmas, I guess, in general, Mm -hmm. I'm more excited about the pipeline as a general rule, and um, their heart failure drug, LCZ-696, has just been turning in really good data, and it could be a potential big blockbuster. And so, looking at kind of the opportunity moving forward, there's only so much you can cut. Right. Yep. But if they can actually, you know, parlay something like LCC 696, some of the other drugs that they're working on, they've got a, uh, a partnership with Bristol Myers Squibb uh, on some cancer drugs. Yep. If a couple of those pan out, then suddenly you see a, a, a really good potential growth story here. I,
0: I like what Novartis is doing. LCC was obviously the big kicker. That was mm-hmm. a big story over the summer. It's a it's a game changing heart failure drug potentially. Right. Uh, potentially could be one of the top 10 selling drugs. Uh, mm-hmm. if things break right. Uh, that's really their next big blockbuster in waiting. But you know, they've, they've been aggressive about reformatting the mm-hmm. way the company is. You know, they cut a huge deal with Glaxo. Right, and which
1: the, it looks like they got the better end, end of now. it. Yep. Um, because when, when you look at Glaxo, the only part of their portfolio that really grew this past quarter was the oncology <laughs> side, and they're selling that to Novartis. To so Novartis. Like, well, that's not really good news for you guys. Maybe Novartis... And then
0: Novartis actually sold the flu drug which Glaxo yeah. didn't get for I think another 250 million or so yeah so
1: so good news uh, good news for Novartis there it seems like they d- made some smart deals
0: yeah Novartis is a uh, you know it's it's kind of quietly operating mm-hmm. among the big farmers but I think they're doing a good job and they're heading in the right direction and, and investors should uh, you know keep watching them
1: yeah a, a solid a solid player one that I've come around to more uh, yeah. you know originally I was pretty much like an eh, Novartis we'll see but you know, I keep looking, it seems like they're making smart decisions and they're generally making smart moves. They
0: have some interesting early onco- uh, uh, immuno oncology assets for mm-hmm. blood cancer, CAR T. Um, yeah. That's a program
1: to, to watch as well. That could be the next big breakthrough there, but that's still pretty early stage. Right. So something something to watch, not necessarily part of your investment decision or investment uh, uh, what's it thesis yeah. right now, but something we want to keep an eye on.
0: Absolutely. Because if that starts to pan out, then this, this stock's going to move. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to from big pharma to big biotech. Yep. Amgen uh, reported. Now, a lot of news around Amgen. Yeah. Uh, Dan Loeb of, of Third Point Capital mm-hmm. uh, basically said they should break up. Yep. Uh, Amgen said, no, nah, I don't think we're going to break up. <laughs> um, but uh, they had uh, a good quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are... Um, they, they raise their guidance. They're increasing their dividend by 30% for yeah. 2015. So it's the only big biotech that pays a dividend. Its dividend is is getting more attractive. And, I, the, and
1: ironically, the, the only big biotech I don't own. But anyway, <laughs> that's that's neither. Cause I'm a bit of a dividend investor, but it's just not not as much in healthcare as it turns out.
0: You know, they are it's always sad when you when you see, you know, workforce cuts. They mm-hmm. they are cutting 5% of their workforce, yep. but on the other side of that that's going to improve their margins, which is something they were pushing towards as well.
1: Yeah, Well, andrew has been doing a lot on cost discipline lately. Um so I you know, it it looks like it looks like this is probably the th- these are the moves that they need to make if they're going to really you know, pay for and get through those big phase three trials and the and the various um, submissions and, of course, the marketing opportunity. Um, and when you look at it, I mean, they have got some really exciting late-stage drugs. Yeah,
0: the PCSK9 drug is yep. right at
1: the top of the list. Volacumab for dyslipidemia, um, which has been uh, submitted for approval in both the United States and the European Union. Um, and so we're just waiting to hear back. And there's this is a huge potential market for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, this this is a blockbuster and waiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, next generation stat, and we've talked... About it ad nauseum. I'm not gonna. <laughs> it just seems to keep coming much. up. You know, but it is it is interesting. I mean, recent news was that they're suing Sanofi and Regeneron to try to block their entrance into the market or, right. or slow them down as, as best they can. Um, you know, just so Amgen has has a lead because they're they're basically coming to market at
1: the same time. Pfizer's a little further behind. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, you also look at Caprolis for multiple myeloma. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know the. It's funny cuz you know they said well you know Caprolus sales jumped 21% quarter over quarter. But, yeah, it jumped to 94 million bucks. You know, it wasn't yeah. really like this is a no, drug. No, they're going to
0: make more off the Pulbo Cyclo royalties. Uh, yeah,
1: exactly. This is a drug that's supposed to be really big potential and what they're seeing now is you know they're trying to expand into that second line indication for uh, multiple myeloma. Um, and so that's where um, that's where you see that potential for the really big sales. So it's right now it's like well you know Caprolus you know less than mm-hmm. 100 million a quarter. Not really that big of a deal, but there's a lot of potential moving forward if things go well.
0: Yep. Uh, I think the other thing I want to touch on, too, they added—they didn't really indicate what they were, but they said they added three drugs to their biosimilar pipeline. Mm -hmm. Biosimilar pipeline is actually getting pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, This, I think, if the company were to break apart, Mm -hmm. this would probably go— with essentially the established products and, and that innovative company would go the other way. This is what- You have a uh, hyper growth. Yes, yeah, yeah. this is what Dan Loeb was talking about. I don't think it's time yet. I think he's taking the souffle out of the oven a little too early. <laughs> um, but I think biosimilars could be a real nice business for Amgen. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I see them getting criticized for not being you know as innovative as they once were. They are more of a mature biotech. Yeah. Right? Um, but this is a great way to have growth. Uh, and so I don't think you should scoff at it just because it's not you know a new drug necessarily from their pipeline it's an imitation of someone else's drug but you know these aren't typical generics. The margins are better, and they're difficult to create. And I, I think they deserve some credit, and, and I think it's going to be a value add for them.
1: Yeah, well, and it, the thing is that basically, you know, Amgen has just suffered by not being the other three big biotechs because yeah. each of them have had, like, just something just explode for them, mm-hmm. and Amgen hasn't had that. But the thing is, when you look at the number of shots on goal they've got, it's like, well, you know, I'm pretty sure something here is going to pan yeah. out, uh, or it looks like it could pan out, and I'm... I'm I'm excited to see what the opportunity is.
0: Their pipeline's better than people give it credit for too. I that's mean, They brought a LUMABS there that that's <laughs> going to be a borderline blockbuster drug in yep. uh, psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis. So, I, I think Amgen it is sort of the forgotten biotech, and, yeah. and in that way, it's it's maybe a little sleeper, and it maybe it, it has a little more to to run if people take more of a shine to it than some of the others, which yeah. have been front and center in the spotlight.
1: Yeah, very true. I, yeah, I think it's a, it's a stock that's not making a bunch of headlines, but it seems to be. Not plodding along. I would say, I would say uh, doing well uh, without making a bunch of headlines, and, and that's perfectly fine. A little yeah. bit like Novartis, I guess, that way.
0: Exactly. Yeah. All right, well, everyone, thank you for watching Wednesday's Healthcare, Where the Money Is. From Michael Douglas, I'm David Williamson. Stay tuned for tomorrow's energy show, and we'll see you back here next week. Fool on.